Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Thursday, November 10th, 2022. The weather today will be a high of minus 16 degrees in Edmonton, minus 17 degrees in Saskatoon, and 17 degrees in Toronto. Wow, it's going to be a spicy one in Toronto today. Grab a margarita. Your mom's weird. Thanks, Evie. Good morning, everybody. We are broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, 8 a.m. Eastern, if that's where you are. Um, come join the live show on the app, on the Podbean app. You just got to download that app, find the Real Estate Investing Morning Show, follow, and, uh, and, and, and join in on the chat. We got all these real estate investors here saying good morning. Uh, there's a call-in button. You can call in and ask any questions you want about real estate investing for free every morning. Free coaching. Why not? You know what I mean? Why not? Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird. We started the show. And normally, as soon as I click the, to start the show, like the, the people start flooding in. And uh, I don't know, like maybe five or ten seconds went by. And there like, was a good ten seconds. And it felt like a lifetime. And Gabby's like, is there something wrong with the show? Where is everybody? <laughs> They're panicking. <laughs> I am never the only, like, I'm never the first one in. Obviously, Wayne's the first person. And then, like, whoever comes in after that is is whatever. But I'm, like, normally, like, eighth or something like that. I just, like, can't cl click the button fast enough. So it was just, like, two or one, two, three, four. It was, like, the longest 10 seconds ever. <laughs> It's, it's okay. Like there's though. something wrong. It's okay though. They're here. It's all right. It's fine. Everything's okay. <laughs> and they're saying good morning. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Scotty. Good morning, David. Eric is here. El Ray is here. Matt's here. Chaston's here. Kyle's here. Ken's here. Good morning, Courtney. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, Leo. Leo's in the house. Good morning, Taylor. Carlos. Good morning, Ryan. Morning, Johnny. Ken says the important people are here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Randall Weiss is here as well. Nice. Uh, COO of DCI Properties. He's going to be coming on the show here very shortly. Awesome. And uh, we're going to talk about um, choosing a realtor, an agent uh, for your power team. I've got a few things I want to talk about with that. And um, in the meantime, why, before we get started on that, uh, why don't we talk about the two upcoming events that we have? Absolutely. So this coming Saturday, we are going to be one of the stops. We are hosting a stop on the Calvin Realty Flip Tour 5.0. So uh, they've got two buses. They're going to load everybody on these buses and drive around Edmonton. They have four different stops. So they have uh, two, two flips, one borough property, and one multifamily property. So really like taking like seeing a whole bunch of different kinds of things so yeah. that's super cool gonna have a lot of people uh speaking a lot of um professionals they have a a lawyer uh 
I don't know who they have this time around, so I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna promise you guys <laughs> speakers that won't be there. But we're gonna you be there, and that's stop all that. Doing that, <laughs> we're gonna be there, and that's all that matters. This is like this event. I just like I'm. I'm just. You guys really don't know what to expect unless you're actually following Calvin Realty, because I'm just. I'm making it whatever I want it to be. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be buses. There's gonna be booze. <laughs> no, just joking. Everyone's gonna show up and be like, "I thought there was supposed to be tacos." <laughs> Gabby said there was tacos here. Yeah, you're uh, setting the bar pretty high for me. I know. Anyways, our our Tweddle Fix and Flip property is gonna be one of the stops. We're very excited to host and have everybody there and talk about the flip and the story behind it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's this coming Saturday. As of yesterday, they had about ten tickets left. So uh, you snooze, you lose. If you are wanting one of those tickets and hopefully they're not all gone, you can go to calvinrealty.ca yeah. and try to snag one there. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it is. Um, the, I mean, our community here, I would say we probably have the best community in Canada for real estate investors by far. It's just a, such an amazing, supportive community. There's no drama. It's just good people just like looking out for each other and... Um, Oh, everybody's just got like a really good attitude too. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's 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 yeah. I, I love it. And so any chance we can get in a you know, to get in a room with all these real estate investors and just chat about what we got going on and what we're working on and our wins and our losses is I, I, I truly enjoy it. So very very excited for this Saturday. Um following Saturday, how is about you stay in your sweatpants, you make some a couple pots of coffee, you <coughs> sit on your warm couch. And spend the day with us on your computer. <laughs> yes, we announced it yesterday. Um, and like it's officially announced now, so you don't have to worry about it. I got all the graphics. The event's created. Okay, now I can actually say it. Now you can sign up. Now you can sign up. The Real Estate Investing Master's Basic Training Bootcamp is now on. And it's going to be on November 19th. Okay, November 19th. Um, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or until however long it goes. I'm just going to say 5 p.m. because that way um, if Gabby needs to sneak out, she can sneak out at 5. But I'll stay as long as, I, as you guys need. But anyways, it's going to be a basic training boot camp for real estate investors to get back to the basics, to get back to the fundamentals. Um, if you're a new investor, it's going to be perfect for you to learn all the ins and outs of how real estate investing works, what kind of opportunities are available, some success tips to get you started. And then also for the seasoned investors, it's like I said, getting back to the basics, getting back to the fundamentals. Um, you know, if you've been floating around for a couple of years now trying to figure out what to do and um, and you're not having a whole heck of a lot of success, let's get back to doing the basics. Let's get back to why it was that you started doing it and then let's start fresh. So it's, it's, it's going to be a great event. I thought about charging money because I should be charging money. But then I said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do it for free. So we're doing it for free. I don't know if the next one's going to be free because you know what? I, I was looking at our at our, um, at our stats for the last one. We had 125 people sign up for the last one. And we had about 50 people show up. And that's what happens when you do free events. So here's the deal. <clears throat> sign up and show up and it will continue to be free. Sign up don't show up or like, you know, leave for a few hours, come back kind of thing. Maybe I'll start charging. I don't know. But you got to take this stuff seriously. 
I find that even just like with coaching, mentorship, I've done tons of free mentorship in the past. Gabby, can you picture them all? Yes, I can. Yeah? How'd they all work out? Yeah. Yeah. No. Nobody ever takes it seriously when it's free. So I'm going to keep it free for this time. But, you know, in the future, it might not be free. So take advantage of it. Don't miss out next Saturday. It's going to be a blast. Um, We'll try and make it fun. We'll try and make it exciting. Um, We'll try and do lots of jokes. We'll try and make it family friendly. (laughs) Um, So that you don't have to tell your kids to wear their earmuffs. Um, we'll, we'll, if you're going to be sitting with us for eight hours, we're going to, we're going to keep it stimulating. So that way, uh, you know, it's not boring and, um, yeah, anyways, sign up for that on Eventbrite. Um, easiest way, you know what? Hey Gab, how about we update our link trees today? Oh yeah. Yeah. You mean, how about I update our link trees? Can you please update my link tree <laughs> so I can say, Hey guys, go to my Instagram profile and I link trees there. You know how old it is? No. It still says REI Dad. It also, I think the last event that was on my link tree was like the last basic training boot camp. Wayne, I've been wanting to talk to you about REI Dad because why is the logo on our podcast still REI Dad? Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Rebranding's a hell of a thing. Do I even matter? Rebranding is a hell of a thing. It's a <laughs> lot of work. Like, I'm still trying to figure out how to get rid of our logo on our iTunes podcast. I'm 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 damn near ready to about to hire someone like a podcast expert, which I they don't even exist. It's a long story, Gab. But Randall's waiting patiently. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Bring Randall in. Okay. So, anyways, guys, sign up for that. Okay. Event Brights, Real Estate Investing Masters, basic training events. Um, if you can't find it, just follow us on our socials. It's all over the place. Go to the free Real Estate Investing Masters Facebook group. It's there. Okay. No excuses. Or ask one of these lovely people in the, in the chat. Hey, where do I find it? Uh, oh, the link is here as well. Eventbrite. Um, it's in the show notes. Voila. Okay, we're bringing in Randall. Morning, everyone. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, Randall. How are you doing? Good, good. Is my audio pretty clear there? As far as I can tell, it's it's the clear of any guest we've ever had. <laughs> all right i'll take it that sounds good that sounds good thank you so much for joining us today um for those of you guys that don't know or didn't hear me earlier randall weiss is the coo chief operating officer uh of the dci properties you know what i i I gotta admit i made a mistake the other day i called you the cheap offering operating (laughs) officer the other day i had a i had a i had a slip (laughs) it was a little funny (laughs) Well, that could, that could be the case, depending on the day, maybe. <laughs> chief, chief operating officer of uh, DCI Properties. For those, yeah, I mean, you guys have obviously heard the commercials. Um, you guys have seen the deals. Um, he's the guy behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, thank you again for coming on today. Um, I think you and I were discussing it, you know, trying to figure out what do we want to talk about today and trying to figure out how how do we create value for the listeners. And, um, you know, you're... you're um, a licensed broker in a few provinces, you said, right? That's right. Yeah. And thanks for having me for sure. I think it's um, what I want to talk about versus what the listeners would see valuable. It could be two different <laughs> things. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm open to talking about anything. I thought a good topic for today 
just to throw out there, seeing how I have been licensed in three province, I have experience at multiple different brokerages. Those provinces are Ontario, Alberta, and Manitoba, by the way. Um, I've seen a lot of different business models uh, with agents, and I thought maybe we should just, you know, do kind of a Q&A and give some tips to your listeners today on what questions to ask, what should they look for from an agent? You know, it's not hard to find an agent out there. There's lots of agents. Um, but how can a good agent maybe bring some value to a real estate investor, especially a novice investor that might need help finding comps, running numbers, access to different lists and properties that they may not see on MLS? So I thought that would be a good topic for today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're And you're right. Um, <laughs> it's not hard to find a realtor that, um, Hey, how do I find a realtor? I don't know. Just go tell park everybody bench. you're looking for park bench. There you go. Um, they're everywhere, but you know, is it the right realtor for you? Um, there's, you know, I've been through many realtors in my experience in my business and I've, it's not to say that, um, you know, they were bad. It's just that, you know, as you, depends on what you're working on. If you're doing fix and flips, you need a certain type of realtor. If you're doing multifamily, you need a certain type of realtor. If you're doing, you know, buying your first home, you need a certain type of real, uh, realtor. So depending on what it is that you're focusing on and the expertise um, that is required from that realtor, I mean, that's, you need to ask those good questions um, to make sure that you have the right person for your power team. And actually, to be honest, Randall, this is something we, I don't think we've talked about once on the podcast. All right. I don't know. So you're I don't know if we've ever brought it up. A good topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, or maybe it's just that you know people haven't asked. Uh, so speaking of that, guys, if you guys do have any questions, put them in the chat there, and uh, and and we'll we'll ask it to Randall and we'll get that answer for you. But um, why don't we just start off with like, what questions would you ask? You know, when you're when you're picking an agent, like, what kind of questions do you ask them? Yeah, for sure. So I think <clears throat> to weed through all of kind of the smoke and mirrors in the industry, you really have to kind of cut to the meat and potatoes of what are they going to do for you in terms of if that's marketing your property, get into the specifics, ask very specific questions, right? If it's, I have an exclusive list of buyers that I'm going to market your home to. Great. How many people are on your list? Who are these people? When are you sending it to them? Because I think questions like that, will then lead you down the path of really exploring what's the differentiator between that person, what they're going to do for you and someone else. I think a lot of agents um, get caught up on pitching, you know, this MLS exposure and um, this type of photography and this type of matter report, you know, dollhouse view of the property that everybody's seen before but a lot of agents offer the same things there, right? So if everybody's mm -hmm. offering the same thing, how, how do you kind of weed through that? And how do you find somebody that might be a little bit more investor focused and understand what your goals are? Are they talking more than you in the presentation? Are they asking yeah. questions? You know, that's, that's a good tip as well. I would say, are they really trying to find out what your needs are and what your goals are in the transaction. Cause maybe top dollar, everybody wants top dollar, but maybe you need to get your money out of that project 
to get it into another project or you got your eyes on another property that you think would be a great fit for your portfolio and maybe there's a way for them to lower the price a little bit to get it sold one month sooner which allows you to have more upside on this other project that you have your eye on on the side yeah yeah you know I, I, go ahead, go ahead sorry. Oh, i was i was gonna say like you know it, it made me think of like um you know are they doing more talking than you or are you doing more talking um you know some a lot of realtors may, maybe you know they used to be in sales a lot of them are fast talking you know what i mean they want to mm -hmm. tell you everything you need to hear just to just to get you on board and uh it's kind of hard you know if you've ever been in a room with a you know someone who's really good at sales they'll just talk and talk and talk and talk and never give you an opportunity to say anything so how do you like I guess what I'm trying to figure out is how do you like sift through that noise of like just the the jabber of just talking ah you know you know you know this the way that it is blah, 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 blah. like how do you sift through that to really figure out truly if this is the right person for you yeah for sure I would ask questions like do you have any other clients similar to me do you have any other clients that are similar to me that I could talk to and get a reference from that's a great question you know if <clears throat> If the person is giving you a great sales pitch one on one, they should have some really great reviews. If you know, they're talking themselves up to be the best thing since sliced bread, then great, you should have lots of people that would back that up. And a great and a great realtor will have lots of stories and lots of people to back that up. I've, I've actually been on the flip side of I've interviewed agents to come work for me as well. So I've, I've not been the client I've, I've been the I guess the place that they want to go work for. And I've been across the table in an interview and a question that I would ask them in the interview is tell me a little bit about a transaction that didn't go as planned. Mm. And I feel like that's a great question to gauge their experience because the crazier the story in my experience, the more experience they have in the market. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's really kind of the truth. I think you guys would know, right. From yeah. just being around properties and the more you do, the more crazy situations you might find yourself in. It's the same as an agent. So if they have a very short answer to that of, yeah, we had a place and the financing fell through at the last second. It's, to me, that's a red, red flag. It's like that story is not juicy enough to know that this person has a ton of experience. Right. I want to hear a crazy story that I had, you know, this person calling me at 11, this lawyer was advising them to do this. I couldn't even believe it that the lawyer was saying that it was completely against their best interest. I ended up having to pay for new eaves troughs on the house myself just to get the deal closed at the last second. <laughs> I have those stories. I've been in yep. the industry a long time. Everybody that I know that's been in the industry a long time has those stories. So if people don't have those stories, they might not be doing a high volume or they may not have been in the industry as long as what you think. Mm -hmm. Wayne, I think that we've given our realtor a few of those stories through <laughs> our transactions. <laughs> well, that's, that's what you, you're right, Randall. That's what you want to hear from from you know your your potential um realtor that's going to be you know your expert the one in your power team because um for the most part and and please don't any realtors listening or anyone just don't take offense to this but for the most part the transaction is you know pretty standard you know what i mean 
Hey, I'm looking for this type of property. Okay, we're going to get you set up on your list, your search, and then we're going to take you out to look at those properties. I think a lot of people think that like a good realtor is like a good hard negotiator, which is not always like, you know what I mean? It, it's not it's not a big part of it. So, and then, you know, you put your offer in, anybody can set up DocuSign, you know what I mean? And then you got your offer, you go do your conditions, you know, your inspection, your you get all that stuff, you do your waiver of conditions and then get sent off to the lawyers. You know, on a standard transaction, it's pretty simple. But I want someone when stuff goes sideways, you know, when when we're running into complications, I, I want someone that I know is going to be able to handle that stuff because everything else, more or less, most realtors can do, right? Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that statement. I would Two things I would add to it too is <clears throat> when all other things are equal, pick somebody that meshes well with you that you enjoy spending time with, that yes. you enjoy phone calls, that you're you're vibing with, you're meshing with. Because if you're putting this person on your power team, you want to feel like you can trust them. You want to feel like if you needed to go have a beer or a glass of wine with them, that that would be a pleasant interaction with you. I would, <sighs> do you agree? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, for sure. So I, I've been through a few. Yeah, I've been through a few where that that was the issue. I'm just like, I, it, you know, it didn't feel like that. I didn't have that vibe. And as well, sometimes communication as well. Like, I've had some people that that talk and I don't know, it's just the way that they the way that they communicate is really hard to receive. Um, it's just like, you can't quite tell what they're actually saying. And then I've also had people where, and you guys probably know, I talk very fast. And when I talk, they can't receive me. So when you're when you're trying to communicate something or when you're trying to receive a communication and it's not being received properly, there's a breakdown somewhere, then there's an issue because you need to be able to say something and know that they understand it and then they go and do it. Same time, when they ask you a question, uh, a confirming question, um, you know, they you need to be able to understand what it is exactly that they're saying as well. So communication is key. And then just a great relationship. You're going to be working with this person. If you're a successful investor or, or you want to be, you're going to be working with this person for years to come, right? You don't want to change up again. Oh, for sure. I've seen um, a lot of investors flock to a discount agent because they're focused mm. on the money as well. And I think sometimes there could be merit to that. And then other times, I don't know if you're getting your full bang for your buck. Again, it depends on the person. If you find a great person that's going to give you a great rate and you're not sacrificing anything on the end value of the home, great, work with them. But there's not always a direct correlation with, I would say, discount on commission means more money in my pocket either. True. True. Um, And then like, what about like those those other types of companies to like the, I, I don't even know what they're called anymore. It keeps changing. Um, it used to be calm free. Then it was, uh, you know, the, the purple the prop, bricks, purple bricks but that's gone now too, isn't it? Yeah, it's fair square now. So fair I worked square. at calm. So I worked at calm free and I worked at purple bricks. So we had a lot of investors reach out to us um, to list their properties. Probably a lot of them were really successful, but it's not that, one-on-one there was no one-on-one relationship built with them there was nobody added to their power team it was purely transactional and i would say sometimes it worked probably really well for them 
and other times maybe it didn't go to any repeat business for them whatsoever because there was no relationship. You didn't get to build a relationship with a, a Wayne or a Randall on the team. It was more of I'm going to this business because they can offer me a reduced commission and then I'll take whoever I'm paired up with in that business. Mm, gotcha. Um, I had one other question because um, I'm curious. This is one that comes up a lot. And that is, what about comps? So, for example, if, say, say someone's looking at, um, at one of the deals that comes up on the buyer's list um, mm-hmm. for, for DCI properties. They get a deal come through. They see your comps. No offense. They got to do their own diligence and make sure that everything is all correct. So they go yep. and they, they ask their, they want to ask someone, you know, what the comps are going to be, you know, or, or just to double check. But, you know, they're not using that realtor to purchase this property because it's an off-market deal. And they always ask, well, how much should I pay them? What should I offer them? And I always say, you know, um, you know, most realtors, if as long as you're not a waste of time, they'll do it for you. But what, what's your opinion on that? Like, how does someone go about, you know, pulling comps if they're not using the realtor on the transaction? Yeah, I think that's why it's a great question. And I think that's why it's important to build that relationship with somebody that you trust and whether they're making money on on the purchase on that side or not, it's something that somebody should be offering to you at no charge. So Mm -hmm. if you're sending six properties a day for them and you've never used them before and you just met them last Tuesday, then they're probably going to ask for something in return. (laughs) But if you say, Hey, I'm new to this area. I want to build a relationship. I want to add some properties to my portfolio in this area. You have my commitment that I'll be listing these properties with you. And if we see anything, if you see anything on market, feel free to send it to me as well as the numbers supporting that it would make sense. I'm open to off market, on market, whatever the case may be. Then that agent, like if you've built up a rapport there with them and you feel like you can work with them, they should be sending you comps. You should be as simple as a text message. Hey, check out this property or what about this address? What do you think? Could you email me some comps? Looking forward to your opinion. Thanks. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's great. Um, On the topic now, uh, I've had lots of people asking because, um, uh, you know, lots of people are are interested in DCI properties and the buyer's list. Now, I just want everybody to know, and I've talked about this a little bit, DCI is like, is, is, you guys started in Ontario, right? And you're, and you're making your way into Alberta. It's a, it's a tough market to crack, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's, um, to, well, I'll cut right to what's the big difference between us being more successful in Ontario than what we are in Alberta to date. It's, there's not as much equity with the homeowners in Alberta as there is in Ontario. So some of these, juicy deals that you see coming out in Ontario. Like we had a, a bungalow that came out this week. We literally had a sight unseen offer four minutes on it after we sent it out. So I think that oh, tells wow. you how juicy of a deal it <laughs> <actually> was. Yeah. <laughs> um, even, even the townhouse that we sent out in Ontario uh, yesterday, we had like eight, eight to 10 offers last night on it from people reaching out to us. And I think wow. the difference, the difference is when we go to meet those people, the, a lot of the homes in Ontario have seen so much appreciation year over year for the last five years that they have so much equity that the DCI offer 
as long as they have that motivation to sell, it makes a lot of sense. We mm-hmm. end up getting into a lot of homes, specifically in Edmonton, where the motivation is there. It's a great product for them. It's a great service. They want to use us, but the numbers that would make sense for an investor, the seller doesn't have that much equity to be able to accept that offer. So, right. so that leads us into, it's not like we, we're not getting leads and appointments. We're talking to a lot of sellers and there's a lot of interest from sellers, but we end up turning them away because we don't want to flood the investor list with a bunch of properties where the numbers don't make sense. We're proud of our reputation to send out deals that make sense. Yeah. And, 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 and sorry for putting you on the spot with that one. I, I just figured yeah. I'd bring it up because there was questions from people and I just wanted everyone to know exactly, you know, from the horse's mouth, what's exactly going on and Hey, how come there's no deal of the week? And it's just because honestly there, you guys, DCI is just trying to put, you know, good deals out there. Um, I had a suggestion though, and I, and I want everyone to consider this and hopefully I don't, um, completely flood your inbox now, but I had a suggestion I was thinking about, and maybe that's, you know, guys, I know that there are lots of good trigger pullers here in Alberta, um, and, and across Canada, um, Mm -hmm. people that are looking for deals and they're looking for specific deals. But if you don't put it out there, what it is that you're looking for, you're never going to get it. So, you know, would I be able to say this and turn me down if I'm, if, if it's out of line, but would it be a good idea for people to email DCI, you know, the, the email there and say, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this type of property. Maybe some people are even looking for turnkey, you know, houses with basement suites, uh, and just looking to get a good deal rather than trying to find it on market, email DCI and say, this is what I'm looking for at this neighborhood, this price point with this much spread between the ARV. Would that be a good idea? Yeah, for sure. As long as uh, they're not all expecting a detailed reply. (laughs) Um, We definitely could take those. And what we'll do is compile that and make sure that our marketing efforts are in line with those areas. That's a great suggestion. Um, Yeah, I don't see any harm in that at all. And I think we haven't, we're talking about realtors and agents and we haven't even really talked about it if for anyone that's on the ontario list last week they would have got the introduction to certainly which is our real estate brokerage arm that we opened up with exactly that notion in mind to find properties that maybe they're not a hundred percent fit for an investor but they're still a great deal Mm -hmm. lower than what you would see on market so that's a wing of the business that we've uh, officially kind of publicly announced last week on the buyers list. We've had it open since July. We have agents on the ground working in Ontario. We're looking to expand that into Alberta in the new year. So we're, so we're hoping between the two efforts of DCI and the brokerage that we're able to serve more sellers, more investors, and more buyers. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, congrats on that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Kate, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining in today, Randall. Um, I won't uh, keep you too much longer. I know you're a busy guy. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of uh, DCI properties to get on their buyers list, Gabby's got the email there. I don't have it handy. Shoot. I'm sure Randall knows <laughs> what it is. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can email us at deals at dciproperties.ca. Awesome. They're so perfect. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Or you can just reply to any one of the deals in your inbox. You can just reply to that email. And I better get off this call and let my colleagues know that to expect some emails coming in <laughs> from what people are looking for. So I think it's win-win for everyone. Absolutely. And it was a pleasure joining you guys this morning. Have a great day. 
and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks again. Thank you. Okay, quick little commercial break. We'll be back in a sec. Some of you might have heard us talking about DCI Properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in Canada. But one of the things most people don't know about DCI Properties is that they don't cherry pick deals for themselves. Everything they get under contract, they offer out to their buyers list. That's right. No sloppy seconds from no DCI. No sloppy seconds. <laughs> so if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers, or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. And we are back. Hello, um, hello. I, I brought up um, when I was speaking there about emailing um DCI, by the way, that was all me. He didn't ask me to do that. <laughs> I caught him <laughs> off guard. He's probably like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> but again, I do truly believe it'd be a win-win because, if, you know, you got to tell people what it is that you want and you never know, like maybe maybe they're not putting as much marketing into Spruce Grove, Alberta or into Red Deer, Alberta or into um, Timmins, Ontario. If, if you don't tell people that, you know, you're looking there, then, you know, they're just going to stick to their regular marketing for what they believe is what people are looking for. Right. So put it out there that, Hey, I am the number one. You find me this deal in Timmins and I will close. I don't even need to see it. Well, of course. I mean, if, if I were a business owner, I would put all of my marketing towards that because I know that I've got a buyer, right? I've always said that, you know, if you're, if you're a new wholesaler as well, see young wholesaler trying to make some cash, go start with, you know, the, the trigger pullers first in your market and figure out who's the big players, what do they want and go find it for them. So that's the same thing with DCI. If you want a deal, a specific deal, if you've got a joint venture partner that says, Hey, I want to buy a turnkey property with you. And I want it to have two suites and I want it to cash flow this much money. You know, you should be able to figure out, okay, this neighborhood, this price point based off these rents will get me this cash flow. Email DCI and be like, Hey, I'm looking for this you know that like they're they're going to target their 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 marketing specifically towards that to go and find that for you right yeah and it saves you a ton of time than having to like go out with your realtor and go stare at houses and pick it apart and try and negotiate you know, why not hire the experts to do it for you and they're way better at it than you are <laughs> way better so um give that a shot but uh I, the other thing i wanted to bring up was that um turnkey properties not a lot of people, you know, reach out to wholesalers um, for that type of product. They try and get it on market. You could save a lot of money buying those types of properties off market, right? Yeah, for sure, yeah. I don't, I don't think people realize that. If your goal is to build a portfolio, if you were listening to me yesterday and I said, go buy 10 properties, you know, and then you're like, oh my God, he's right. And I got a lot of those messages. Thank you for for clearing that up because I, I was I was trying to prove to everyone that I was something that I wasn't, and that's that's great. But if if your goal is ten suite of properties or ten duplexes, whichever you call it, then tell everyone exactly what type of duplex you're looking for. You never know; you might a deal might come across and your desk that's fifty thousand dollars under market value. 
that's a win. That is meat on the bone. I mean, why not? Why would you go and buy something retail price? Put it out there. You never know what's going to come back. So Definitely. Right? Um, okay. So what do we got going in the comments today? Not a lot of. Um, what? <laughs> not <Seriously>? a lot. <laughs> okay. This is going to be a great show. I got 25 <laughs> minutes left. And I'm not, I'm not in any position to do a rant. <laughs> I was just, I was going to try and make this episode rant free or a wane log free, whatever it's called. Um, uh, Ken loves your DCI property commercial script. I didn't write it, you guys. It's DCI. <laughs> um, the no sloppy seconds was my ad. Gabby was recording and I just kind of snuck in behind her. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> okay i did have a question uh oh here we go uh, scotty's got a question here who is scotty scotty p it might be scotty g scotty p i don't know i can't i can't really see from the picture uh no scotty p not scotty g gabby doesn't know you Scotty asks, how would you deal with removal of asbestos ceiling tile? You have to hire a company. Yeah, hire a remediation company. Um, and that's that's a that's something that all renovators or, or investors should do before you're going to remove something. If ceiling tiles are there and no one's disturbing them, it's totally fine. It's when you disturb... Um, you take down walls, you take down ceiling tiles, you take, you know, tear up linoleum. That's when you need to, you know, get a test done. And the tests aren't that expensive. Before you renovate, maybe, what is it, 150 bucks, roughly? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Uh, it's back in a day or two, and then they'll let you know if there's asbestos in it. So, you know, before you tear down any walls, tear down any ceilings or... Um, uh, the, the, flooring. The flooring, thank you, linoleum. Um just double check, get it tested. And, but if you do, then you have to hire a remediation company, which kind of sucks. Um, cause it does cost a little more, you know, it's gonna, I, I, it's, it quotes were so, they ranged so much. It, it was, it was ridiculous anywhere from four to 10,000, depending on, um, the company. Um, so I, I do your research. I would be proactive and get some, um, uh, get some quotes ahead of time. Um, reach out to other investors in your network and ask them who they use. Um, not just for cost, but also, you know, reliability. This is something that's pretty serious. You know, if, if you're bringing your kids through your job sites, you want to know that it was remediated properly. You don't want those airborne, you know, contaminants to be um inhaled by your child right so make sure you're doing it properly and um also for your workers as well right yourself your workers life's too short to to have it end early by some stupid asbestos you know what i mean is that serious that that's the way you're gonna go all this hard work you woke up early every morning to listen to a podcast about real estate investing. You finally did it. And then you shaved like five years off your life because you were too cheap to hire a mediation company. 
Sorry, I like to keep things simple. <laughs> like legit, you know? So how would you do it? Yeah, hire a remediation company for sure. I'm not calling you cheap, Scotty. I'm just saying in general because I know a lot of people don't do it. Um, um, there was uh, two questions have come up surrounding it. Oh, really? Um, I don't remember the answer to the first one. You might. But it says, what age of home build do you normally need to check for asbestos? I think Kathleen knows the answer to this. Jared knows the answer too. I I just, it's not something I, like, I've heard it so many times, but uh, I don't keep that in my brain. Someone <laughs> was talking about this recently. I think it was like pre nineteen. Matt Bordian knows, yeah. pre-1990, I think it was. Um, Anything before 1970, Scotty says. Okay. That's, that was what I had in my head too. Um, and then... The there was another question saying, do you always test for asbestos? And so for us personally, um, depending on our scope of work, we let our our contractors, like they're the experts, they should know what needs to and what doesn't need to be tested. I I I honestly, if you're removing any walls, if you're if you're removing anything, if you're removing walls, if you're removing ceiling tiles that's that seem older. Uh, if you're tearing up linoleum, yep. those are like our number, like those are the top three right there. Yeah. Well, um, I remember um, Matt Bordian did a presentation at our fix and flip workshop and he, he brought light to certain materials that will almost always have asbestos in them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're purchasing the house and put in an offer and you should be able to see, oh, okay, that's going to need to be tested. That's going to need to be tested. Like those um, square floor tiles, there's like a certain drywall tape, um, like those types of things. Well, so he yeah, said, when we, you see We had those, it in our mud. We had it in our mud at our yeah. one flip. Sorry to cut you off there. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, I had no idea that it, like, it wasn't in the drywall. It was in the actual mud of the drywall. They used to use it as um, almost like a filler, which is crazy. It sucks asbestos didn't work out. Apparently, it was like it was a miracle material. <laughs> like, didn't it win like awards? Out of and, Quebec. It won like awards and shit. Like, it was like, this is the, you know what I mean? It's like the person that discovered plastic. It was like, wow, this is amazing. It's going to be so cheap. And then and everybody died. The <laughs> Everyone died. And it's cost us however many hundreds of millions of dollars to remove it now. Garrett says it's like Frank's. Put that shit in everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a big oof. That was a big oof. Um, yeah. And and for those of you guys who don't know who Matt Bordian is, Matt, uh, Matt is actually one of, um, he's part of our master's mentorship program and he's one heck of a home inspector. So if you're looking for a home inspection in anywhere between, I think, Calgary and Edmonton, you know, give him a shout. Quantum quantum inspections? Yeah. Just look up Matt Bordian. It's the easiest way to uh, find that. Um, okay, we got more questions. Uh, was there more questions in regards to that? Uh, do you test for radon in all homes you buy? That's a great question. That's a great question. No, I never. Don't. We haven't, and that's not to say that we shouldn't. Um, I think that's kind of like a homeowner thing to do. No, mm. I had. I've never considered it. See, that's the thing. We don't know enough about it. I haven't. I a lot of people had told me about it, and I'm like, shit, that stuff's scary. Mm. Um, and then and then 
Maybe I'm naive. It's just, uh, it's it's kind of like asbestos. It's just like you don't know much about it. You don't think about it. You know how many how many homeowners have turned down a wall and opened up a wall and done home renovations and never thought to, you know, to mm-hmm. test for asbestos before, right? I mean, I'd say ninety five percent of home renovations are, were done and asbestos went in the air and the kids, you know, were frolicking around. Um, and that's not to say that it's okay. You know what I mean? Oh, we did it. We never died. But uh, radon is is apparently a lot more um, uh, present than most than what most people think. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's meters that you can have installed in your basement that can test for it. Um, don't ask me to explain what it is. Something about yeah, not even gonna try. <laughs> I can Google it really quickly, but do your own research. It's something that I've yeah, I've thought about a lot in the past and then i'm like okay what do i got to do in order to rectify this so i got to buy meters for all my properties you know gabby you were saying it's probably only for homeowners no i mean think about the the tenants who are living in the basement suites or the Mm -hmm. homes you know that stuff's there and um uh it's it's our responsibility to make sure there's a safe place to live so i'm not gonna lie to you it's something that i've never um I haven't come up with a solution yet. I haven't put enough time into it, but thank you for the reminder. Um, David, do you know much about radon? Do you do you do tests? I'd love to hear. Does anyone else? We're waiting. <laughs> um, feel free to... Um, uh, bring it back up tomorrow again if you'd like, if you have anything to add to that. Uh, Amanda has a question asking, how much do you recommend keeping in a reserve fund for a 60s bungalow? So a reserve fund is is a fund that you put uh, in place for a rental property um, to cover anything that might come up. Um, it's recommended that you continue to keep putting money back into the reserve fund every month, a portion of your rent, to make sure that it stays replenished. And that way, every time you deplete the reserve you pull money out to pay for a repair or maintenance money is always being uh replenished into it uh so the the answer to that is is it has nothing to do with the the age of the bungalow has everything to do with um what's been done on the bungalow i was going to say um like for me how old is the hot water tank? How old is the furnace? When is the roof going to need to be replaced? When, how old are the appliances? Looking at all of those things. And it's just like, you know, uh, running any sort of business. Like they have their like capital expenditures and like planned maintenance and um, unexpected maintenance, you know, set aside and all those types of things. So you really need to evaluate your specific property and say, okay, if in the next five years, all these things need to be replaced, what is the cost of that? How much money am I bringing in each month? How much money is being set aside? How long am I keeping this property? How long am I keeping this property? All those things need to be considered for you to know a realistic amount to put aside. With a a turnkey property, um, something that's brand new, uh, and no deferred maintenance, most people would recommend... um, three months worth of rent payments. So if your rent is $2,000 a month, put $6,000 in the reserve from the start and then determine what 
percentage of your rent you're going to add to the reserve fund every month. Uh, most people do repairs and maintenance between 2 and 4% of your rent and vacancy at 8%. So um, I'll do some quick math for you there. Your rent is 2000 So put $40 every month, which is 2% into your reserve fund for repairs and maintenance and put $160 a month into the reserve for vacancy. Um, it just keeps replenishing it. And then, you know, if you have a vacancy at the end of the year, you've got enough money there that you've accumulated all year. Uh, you've also got 480 bucks every year being put into the reserve for just, you know, keeping it replenished. If anything, a toilet needs to be replaced or a valve or something, the money's there. Now, if you buy a house that needs a new roof in five years, the furnace is 10 years old, the hot water tank is uh, seven years old, and you're planning on keeping this property for 20 years, what you need to do is you need to figure out, okay, what are all the repairs and replacements and general maintenance that are going to be happening in the next 20 years? What's the total estimated cost of all of these items plus random things that you didn't expect? Take that total amount divided by the amount of months that you have, um, uh, I guess it'd be 240 months, 20 years, 240 months, divided by 240, and that's how much you need to be setting aside every month to make sure that your reserve at the end of the 20 years is still $6,000 or more, right? You want to make sure that it never dips below 6000 because the 6000 is not there to cover the cost of it. It's, it's there to cover the largest expense, right? In most cases, that would be the furnace. If a furnace goes and you need a new one, do you have the money in the reserve to cover that, right? So if you put $480 a month or $480 a year away, and in a couple of years, you got to replace the furnace and the furnace costs $7,000, is, is that furnace re replacement going to, deplete your reserve down to nothing and then you don't have any money for the toilets or for the furnace filters or for the gutter cleaning or for you know what i mean mm -hmm. so you got to make sure it's a healthy reserve to make sure that it if a large expense comes up a window replacement a roof replacement you still have enough in the reserves so that's healthy in the event that something else comes up that needs to be done in the near future i was trying to remember because we talked about this recently and i had to i was scrolling back gabby to um, see because we went through all the possible, mm -hmm. you know, things that could potentially come up. And if you look back, at, we did an episode on September 27th called How Much Should I Set Aside for Repairs and Maintenance? And we <laughs> went into extreme detail. So appropriately named. That's why I name them that way. I'm like, oh God, I really hope I named the episode right. Because we talk about so many random things yeah. in episodes. Yeah. But we did a whole episode on that one. Uh, it was called How Much Should I Set Aside for Repairs and Maintenance, September 27th. That one right there will help you determine um, you know, what your reserve fund should be, how much you should be setting aside every month, and things that you should be expecting. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Carlos got a question, I think? Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's changing topic though do you want to just answer one more quick one and then end on carlos's uh quick little commercial break hi folks barry mcguire here i'm inviting you to join our free facebook group barry mcguire's creative real estate education 
We go live every Monday discussing all sorts of creative real estate strategies. You know, nothing can match the power of learning from Canada's top creative real estate experts. We provide you with the education and tools you need to close your first damn deal. It's the most important one. Join our free group, Barry McGuire's Creative Real Estate Education, and we'll see you Monday. All right, what do you got? Okay, um, just try to answer this in like a, a minute. Are you capable? Uh, can you answer it? <laughs> Elijah asks, what about sewer line inspections? Doing a scope on it. Do you have to do it for every property or do you make the decision based on the age of the property? I see some investors not even doing it at all. It's up to you. You don't have to do anything. You don't need to do an inspection at all. You should. <laughs> One minute answer. One minute answer. Sewer line scopes also, um, it's it's another thing. How old is your property? When it was built, what type of um, what type of pipes would have been put in the ground? Those types of things. They used to put like deteriorating. Like paper mache shit. Yeah. <laughs> pipes under the ground for your sewer lines. And um also, like, are there big mature trees on site? Those types of things. So I believe that if you are picking up a rental property and you are going to be holding it for really any length of time, that you should get a sewer scope done. That's your property. If something goes wrong, you're the one who's going to have to excavate and, and repair and do all that kind of stuff. So it's better to know ahead of time um, the condition of it because there's also maintenance you can do on them as well. And mm -hmm. so knowing that and then performing the maintenance to extend the life of it is always a good idea. So if you're buying a rental property, um, I think 100% you should get a sewer scope. Also, they weren't really popular a few years ago. Well, I think within the last, I don't know, I last forget about years. the blip, maybe five years, yeah. um, they started to become more common. Yeah. And um, we've certainly done a ton of them. Um, when we were purchasing rental properties, we would always get the scopes done. Mm -hmm. And some things that we found were like gaping eight inch holes and um, tree, tree growth, um, tree root growth coming through the lines and those types of things. So when you discover that, it's not like a deal breaker. Um, in one case, we had like an eight inch gaping hole. And because the sewer scope measures how far out it is, we determined um, during the inspection that it was pretty much like 100% on the city property and not on our property. So just called up, in our case, EPCOR for the city of Edmonton, and they came out and they fixed it. Um, for free. For free. Well, yeah, because it's, it's on city property, not ours. And they're fast. They were very fast. They showed up the next day. And then, like, if there's tree roots coming through the lines, um, you can get them... I'm, I'm, augured. I don't, augured, thank you. <laughs> you can get them augured every year or two. So they just send on a machine that swirls around and cuts up all the branches and sends them through the line to, to make sure that it doesn't create any impedances, which is going to, you know, clog it up. catch your, your, your four ply, uh, toilet paper and clog it up. And then you're going to get backups and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I say do them. I think it's worth the 250, 300 bucks. Absolutely. Um, and the next question, if it hasn't already been asked about flips, yeah, do them on your flips too. Um, I'm not so concerned about the condition of the sewer if I'm just in and out in three or four months. However, if my buyer is doing a sewer inspection and they find something, they're going to use that against me. And the cost to repair, the cost to excavate your yard, repair the line and, and refill it and put new sod is like anywhere from ten to $15,000. 
it's big. Uh, so that's why we do it on our rental properties because I want to know before I buy it, I can use it as a negotiating tool or I can just avoid it altogether um, if it's not going to be covered. And then same thing with flips. I want to be certain that a buyer is not going to use this against me. If I've got a $25,000 profit spread on this and they're trying to renegotiate 15K because there's a large, there's a collapsed sewer line, like that just ruined my deal. And for 250 bucks, I can, I could find out before I even buy it. So that's my 25 second answer. <laughs> okay. So Carlos asks, Hey Wayne, I have a question on splitting with a JV. I like how he says, hey, Wayne, like I'm here too, Carlos. Hello, Wayne and Gabby. You scare him. <laughs> I have a question on splitting with a JV. I found an agreement for sale seller financing deal this week and we'll need a cash partner. I plan to Airbnb it. How would you split with a JV partner who is just supplying cash? <laughs> I hate giving standard answers because every deal is different. I really do. I get asked a lot, how much should they get for that? I think the percentage of the deal or the percentage of the profits that they deserve is equal to how badly you need them. I think it has more to do with how much you value what they bring than, than what everyone else generally thinks. So if I've got an amazing deal, this thing's going to make me a ton of cash. I've got the financing. I just don't get the cash. What are, what is what are you willing to accept? What's what's your threshold? And just have it in your mind that the the most I'm willing to give is this much, and then it no longer becomes a good deal for me. It also depends on where you are, what stage you are in your real estate investing career. Is this your first deal? Fuck, I give them eighty percent. It was my first deal. You know what I mean? Just to get my feet wet, just to get some experience, just to show people that I've got a deal. You know, if you're if you're a rock star and this is like, you know, your 20th deal, then I would say, you know, be firm. You've established yourself as an expert, you know, well enough. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody wants to do a deal with you. Then you've got a little more leverage. If everyone's lining up to do this deal with you because they know they're going to get sweet cash flow then then you set the price on what you think is reasonable and, and then they can determine is that profit reasonable enough for the opportunity to get to work with Carlos the Great. That's what his name is on the chat here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think you should have a good look in the mirror and, and determine like how great how great am I really? Um, and how bad do I need this? Uh, and then determine what a reasonable amount is. But if you were to pull out a copy of like a joint venture one-on-one book, um, typically it's financing and money. So mortgage financing and money make up 50% of the deal. And then, you know, Carlos the Great, the expert, gets the other 50%. This one's a little complicated because he's got a seller financing deal where he negotiated favorable terms and he already has the financing lined up. He has the deal lined up. It's a great deal. So if 50% was for financing and for money, how much of that 50% was money and how much was financing? In my opinion, I think financing is it's less. It's like 15 or 20% because financing is easy. The, like, I, I think it would be a hard argument to say that 
the money, the hundred thousand or the two hundred thousand or the fifty thousand dollars is worth less than twenty five percent of the deal. Because I I know all of you right now. What's the biggest issue with you guys getting your first deal or your next deal? It's all money. And I if you didn't bring it, you wouldn't have a deal. I can't convince someone to give me their hundred thousand dollars, right? It's money is probably the the thing that most people struggle with. Not me, but I know for you guys, it's probably the biggest thing that you guys struggle with. People don't trust you enough. So if they're not trusting you enough to give you the money, then I'd say the money is probably the most valuable part of the deal. So you need to make the decision: how much am I? How much of this deal am I willing to give up? This percentage of profit am I willing to give up for that money? How much do I value money right now? Mm-hmm. And in the future, when you get your 20th deal and people start lining up to do deals with you, then you can you can leverage that, your experience, the the and I, I think that the tables will turn and people will will be thinking more about how much am I willing to accept in exchange for the money that I have to offer. Because the you become more valuable than the money. Awesome. Did I answer it though? I don't know. Like uh 30%, 40%. I don't know. I could say 30%. I could say 50%. It doesn't really matter. You kind of have to listen to my answer before it's, it makes any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how good of a deal is this? Yeah. No pitching deals in the show. <laughs> He's, you can't stop me. Um, before we go, um, um, Kristen's daughter Alexis says good morning to us and to Everly. So I just wanted to, I, I gave her a little heart in the comments, but I also just want to say good morning, Alexis. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Was and I, was I good today? Yeah. Good morning, Alexis. <laughs> and thank you for listening to us. Awesome. Um, uh, Carlos says, thanks Wayne. Me and the mirror are going to have a good talk. I was thinking the old 25-25-25-25 split. I felt that 25% is just too low a number to offer a JV. Depends on how much too, right? I mean, it, it, are you... It's 50K they're bringing. 50K? Yes, that's, that's... Is this an experienced investor or is this an investor that's like the first time that they're touching a real estate deal? You know what I mean? If this is someone like you and I, and like I'm thinking to myself, like 50% is like is like 10% down, right? On most properties. So they have a reduced investment and they don't have to come up with qualifying. All they need to do is bring the money and everything else is in line. So I think like for me, I see it as an opportunity because it's a reduced investment. Most investments, you have to put at least 20% down. So if I only have about 10% down, I think that's like, that's dope. See, I would see value in that. Reduced investment means double ROI right? If I would normally have to buy this property with 20% down, which would be 100K, I still get the same revenue. But because I only have to put 50K, my ROI just doubled, right? So there's a few, okay, there's three things to consider with this deal. And this is how I would analyze it if I had money and I wanted to invest with you. If I were to buy this property myself, I would have to put 20% down, which is 100K. This is just, um, just an example. I have to put 100K and I would get 100% of the profits. But by joint venturing with you, I'm suddenly I'm giving up half my profits. So my ROI just went down by 50%, right? However, 
the investment that is required is only 50000 so my ROI just doubled. Therefore, if I were to buy this property myself, the ROI would be exactly the same as if I partnered with Carlos and he only required 50% down. And I don't have to do anything. If that doesn't make sense, re-listen to it a couple times or come back tomorrow and ask me again. But I see it as six and a half dozen. Yeah. I think that should be your pitch, but just maybe just polish it a little bit better than I did it. Okay, guys. I think that's it for today. Today's mm-hmm. Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Tonight we got Thursday live training in the free Real Estate Investing Masters Facebook group. Come join us for that at 6 p.m. Real Estate Investing Masters mentees, the guys in the mentorship program. We got our coaching session tonight. It's Thursday. That's at seven o'clock. Um, if you're on the fence about joining, maybe today's the day. Get in on the coaching session tonight. Good time. There is a show tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Mountain time. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. 